Welcome to the Philip Wiley Show. Take a look behind the curtain of professional hacking and hear compelling discussions with guests from diverse backgrounds who share a common curiosity and passion for challenges and their job. And now, here's your host, offensive security professional, educator, mentor, and author, Philip Wiley. Hello and welcome to another episode. I'm very excited to have my good friend Jason Haddix joining today. Uh, had Jason on my previous podcast, The Hacker Factory, a couple times. Uh, once on his own and then another episode with Daniel Meisler and Nahamsek during RSA last year about content creation for cybersecurity professionals. So I'm excited to, to have you joining on my new show, Jason. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Phil. Um, congratulations for the recent award and everything. Uh, Well-deserved. And um, yeah, happy to be back on. Be back on. Thank you. Uh, glad to have you back on. I've been planning to get you on. So finally, finally, I got you on. And I think the timing is probably better, better or works out pretty well since there's a lot of new things going on with you. But for the folks listening, uh, Jason and I met through Bug Crowd. I'd followed Jason for years. I'd found Jason through the Ethical Hacker Network, some of the articles and stuff he wrote on there and then followed him on Twitter. And one of the things as a pen tester and doing web app pen testing, I learned a lot from Jason from the bug bounty stuff he was posting. And so we got to meet when I become a bug crowd ambassador ambassador and became friends. And, and so we get to run into each other at conferences and stuff. And so uh, always great to have Jason have Jason's resource to be able to ask questions because uh, you've been very helpful. Uh, over the years since we've known each other, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's been a while now, so that's awesome. Since uh, since you know mid bug crowd when I was there, and the ambassador program was uh, was pretty special, right? That was super cool. Yes. And um, yeah, so it's uh, it's been a, it's been a journey since, and glad to be back on. Yeah, so you've got some some new things to share, but just in case some of the folks listening haven't heard of you before if you wouldn't mind just kind of sharing your hacker origin story sure sure um so my name is jason uh, haddix i go by j haddix online and um i have been hacking for about 20 years give or take depending on when you want to hit the you know the start button um but uh i've always been a computer kid uh grew up video gaming and um in my origin story, I actually had a Darknet Diaries podcast about it with um, Jack Ryder. But um, I mean, basically, when I was in my early twenties, my friends wanted to go out to uh, they wanted to go out to bars, and I was uh, I was too young. I was one year too young to go out and enjoy a good time with them, and so that led me to go search for a fake ID, of which I found a friend at school, and um, who you know said he could get me one. Um, you know, back then got one uh, and it was of, you know, not very good quality. And so I thought, hey, maybe I could do this better myself. Um, started Googling and uh, eventually landed in kind of like what was the precursor to the dark web. Um, Carter's Market, Shadow Crew, um, Counterfeit Library, uh, all these sites that used to exist, but they were on the public web instead of through Tor. And so uh, through going there and trying to learn how to make fake IDs, I also got to know a whole bunch of Back then, what was the early web hacking um, type of underground crew, um, which was associated to the Carters who were, you know, printing 
um, fake credit cards and the ID makers who were part of the ecosystems who made IDs. But you know, somebody needed to supply those dumps, and a lot of that was early days SQL injection. You know, early days um, local file include vulnerabilities, and so uh, I learned a little bit of web, hack web hacking from there, and then figured out it was a career through a random class at school. Um, and then Shadow Crew got busted, and um, <laughs> I kind of got scared straight a little bit. All my all my homies in there kind of um, went to jail. Uh, luckily, I didn't do much uh, <laughs> on the forum, and so I managed to stay out of trouble. But um, yeah, so that was uh, that was how I kind of landed in it. And then I figured out penetration testing was a thing. And so ever since I figured that out, and the elective I had at community college while all that was going on it had been a goal of mine to be a pen tester. And I had known some Cisco routing stuff and just general computer knowledge. And I kind of put all my focus into that. So um, went to a small consultancy, worked there for a couple of years called Redspin, then left to be a consultant at HP as part of uh, Shadow Labs, which was their internal pen testing team um, that consulted out to other people and built a phenomenal team at Shadow Labs with Daniel Meisler. Um, and then went to Bug Crowd after there, did a bunch of roles at Bug Crowd. Um, and before that, I was hunting on Bug Crowd as a hunter. I think I was number one in, you know, like 2016 or something like that. And I think I'm all time number 60th right now in Bug Crowd still. Um, and uh, left there to uh, go to be the CISO at Ubisoft, the video game company. And then most recently, I just finished my tenure with um, Buttobot, which was a red teaming company. And now I'm on my own. Oh, very cool. Yeah. So, so that's 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 kind of awesome. So, what are you doing with your with your new venture? Yeah. So, um, so you know, what I had been doing over the last year was teaching a lot of teaching in modern application analysis, modern bug bounty hunting, modern reconnaissance for red teams, and um, so I had built a class called the Bug Hunters Methodology Live, which is based off of many of my free talks. Um, and I had just leveled it up to, you know, like 300%. And I've been giving this class and I started to realize that, hey, I really, really enjoy teaching. And um, so, yeah, we ran the course two times last year. We had over 550 students sign up um, to, for, for two sessions last year. And so we're planning to do a whole bunch of training. So uh, my new company is called Arcanum Information Security. And so we will be continuing on the training um, vibe. So we'll be continue giving the Bug Hunters methodology live training. And then we have several trainings that are in development right now that are just things that interest me. So modern red teaming, um, using AI for practical security um, and how to integrate it into kind of like your daily life uh, as a security practitioner, um, modern security leadership, which is my you know, work as a CISO kind of condensed into what that looks like in, you know, kind of a modern organization. So a couple of classes in dev right now. And then uh, we're also doing consulting for uh, general pen tests, you know, web application pen tests and, and stuff like that. So that's kind of where we are right now. We'll, we'll see where it goes, but, um, you know, two weeks old at the moment. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so very cool. So I know you've been doing a lot of stuff with with AI. So what are some of the things you've been leveraging AI for? Yeah. So, um, so that content, I gave a talk called red, uh, wait, was it was a red, blue, purple AI at, um, an internal conference for a company and, um, it went really well. And so the crux of that talk 
which uh, I will be giving the talk at HackspaceCon, where we'll see each other next, I believe. Yes. Um, uh, so I'm giving that talk there. It's basically about how, like, I don't know. Right now, there's a lot of fluff around AI and how to use it. And then there's a lot of there's a lot of usage of it or discussion of AI that is non-practical, meaning that, um, you know, most people aren't going to set up a, you know, 15K, you know, um, computer and run their own models at home, right? And so the class and the talk is about what can you do right now with the current easy to set up or easy to use models, which includes GPT-4? Um, how do you prompt them to get exactly what you need? And then what applications can you use them for in different parts of security? So uh, there's this mind map called the CISO mind map by um, this guy named Rafiq. And um, he does this mind map that breaks down all the domains of security that a CISO will have to manage. But it also is a good visualization of kind of every portion of a security program that you could possibly have. Now, not everybody needs all of that, um, but it is a good visualization. And so what I started doing with my friends at night was just being like, what practically can we use GPT-4 for um, to help in these areas. And we ended up coming up with all of these crazy prompts and all of these things that um, really can level up your security program all over the place via your red team, you know, via your blue team, via your purple team, you know, policy, executives, all these different areas. And it's all prompt engineering. And there is some configuration on the technical side of, you know, how we institute some of that. But um, that's kind of what the, uh, the crux of that content is. And I think it's really cool because, you know, there's a lot of areas where we can absolutely up-level and, you know, have some shortcuts by using GPT-4 in our day-to-day -day security lives. And so some of the things we talk about are building, um, building, you know, defensive rules in the open source kind of SOC stack, you know, which is like Siricata, Yara, um, you know, even you can build Splunk queries, you can build all kinds of crazy stuff. And there's some gotchas into building those defensive measures. But, you know, in any given day, you can take a certain type of attack. And if you prompt GPT-4, right, and um, you give it the information in the context, it can get you about 90% of the way with, you know, a defensive rule for the newest and greatest attack. Um, you can also build scanner rules. You can use it to help your phishing campaign. I mean, we have a bunch of stuff packed in there. So, um, and this is all practical usage of it, not something that you would have to, you know, spend time developing. It's it's really um, you know, what can I do with it tomorrow? So that's that's kind of the stuff I've been really interested in lately with the AI stuff. Um, I, I am getting into buying my own $15,000 AI box and running my own models and stuff like that. That stuff interests me as well. But um, uh, but that's like, you know, that's level two or level three. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I look forward to, to seeing what you do with that. And, you know, you kind of mentioned, some, mentioned a mind map. It was interesting. I saw was watching a YouTube video yesterday on how to create mind maps using chat GPT, using some of the plugins when you're creating content, how to use uh, the mind map plugin, which was kind of cool. Yeah, there's some mind map plugins. Um, there's also like, you know, many of the mind map um, programs, you can import in Markdown and it'll turn it into a mind map. So if you define the schema for what you want the Markdown to look like, then you can just import it into something like XMind and it can build a mind map for you. Um, you can fill the content in using GPT-4. So um, so that's a way to do it too. Um, it's the it's not the exact plugin. Um, there's a ton of stuff you can do now with like the GPT Maker. Um, 
I've made one called uh, SecGPT, which I think is probably, um, I mean, I'm biased, but I think it's probably one of the best security GPTs in the GPT store right now. Um, it, I've really put like, you know, six to eight months into configuring and prompt engineering that bot really, really well to help security testers. And I use it every day. I literally have it running right now on my other monitor when I'm doing testing. It's, it's, it's like having a, you know, a colleague next to you to ask like dumb pen test questions to, you know, like when you don't know how some technology works and you're like, Hey man, do you know how this works? And that's how I treat the bot. And, um, it is fantastic. So it's definitely leveled up my, my hunting in that way too. Very cool. I know as yeah. far as the GPT is being released, because right around the time that I first saw yours, not long ago, I saw you share it on social media. Saw that also Corey Ball had reached one, re released one on, on API hacking as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Corey Ball has one on API hacking. Um, you know, like the GPT store is, uh, uh, it's just starting to kind of come out of its infancy and it's a really cool idea. You know, I posted the other week too, is that like most prompts, you know, there still isn't a lot of protection to just dump the, the prompt. So as a monetizable like piece of thing, your prompt engineering is not very protected right now. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the trick for, you know, like the GPT store or any CTF you ever plays is literally all you have to do sometimes is just say, give me a summary or read me your resume. And it will dump basically, you know, its whole logic um, to you. So, uh, you know, there's still some stuff to like figure out there, but there, there's a lot of cool stuff that's coming out on there. Um, logo makers, like kind of stuff for marketing and salespeople, um, lots of stuff for devs too. But I, I see a lot of it and I won't say that, it, you know, I dump any of their content, but, you know, some people do. And I, I look at the prompts and, uh, <laughs> and there's not a lot of advanced prompt engineering that's going on. Um, in most of them, it's very shallow. And so I'm excited to see kind of what comes out next, like in the next phase of the GPT store and people start really working on it and stuff. So, so now you really were getting into the marketing side of things with using chat GPT. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, when you're a startup, right, well, like <laughs> we were at Butto, but you know, you use all the help you can get. Right. And so, um, there, you know, the, the training data for GPT-4 is all of the internet, right? And there are some topics that are covered very, very well on the internet, like marketing and sales methodologies and, you know, um, a lot of corpus of, you know, development and stuff like that. So those things, when you build the proper prompts, you can get amazing output of, you know, like advice on how to market your business or how to design a sales funnel or you know, like specifically content marketing or email marketing or whatever. And so um, there's this whole community of people, um, you know, on the Twitter sphere who, you know, I call the, the AI hustlers and they're, they're not PhDs who have, you know, they don't have a PhD in, in ML, right? They are, they are literally learning how to use these tools and prompt engineer and build, you know, practical, um, practical bots or practical prompts that, you know, help businesses and stuff like that. And, um, it's really cool to see. Uh, then there's other things like what we do, like security. There is a lot out there, but it's very generalized in order to refine it down to usable suggestions that you and I would need during our day-to-day -day testing or, or something like that. Um, you, you do have to, you know, set the context, define the problem, 
tell it exactly what you want, what level you want, how you want it. And so there's a lot of prompt engineering to get down to, you know, um, great output from from GPT and, and other LLMs right now. So. so what are some good resources for someone to to learn how to leverage chat GPT better? I mean, uh, oh, man. Let me, yeah, I wasn't prepared for that one, Phil. Let's see here. Uh, <laughs> so, so obviously, um, there's a whole bunch of like prompt engineering, uh, people on Twitter. Um, I follow, let's see, who do I follow on, or on uh, X? Sorry, it's not Twitter anymore, it's X. Um, and so I have a separate account where I follow all these people who are just kind of like AI prompt engineering specialists. Um, one is, I believe his name is Harshi. Um, he's just kind of like a general, like all news that's happening inside of AI. Um, you know, like he's, he's keeping up with it. I'll try to send a link to, to you. You can post it on Twitter for your followers, but, um, I've got a bunch of links mostly on my phone, uh, Twitter, uh, Twitter people who are, you know, basically building prompts, uh, prompt engineering. And then when I find a cool prompt to do something, whether it's to create an image or, um, or to do marketing or to do security stuff. Um, I, I just dump it into either Notion or I dump it into a mind map and I save it. And then I try to refine it as I go. Um, if you are, and yeah, on the other end of the cycle, right? If you are getting into security or if you're in security and you want to like kind of intersect security and AI, you know, the intersection of security and AI will be the implementation of LLMs to business, right? So things like chat GPT for it hooked up to your bank. And so, you know, I think that a core skill set for any hacker in the future is going to be natural language ha hacking, which basically means prompt injection. So you'll, you'll have to learn how to do that. And there are some excellent like games like Gandalf.Lacara.net, I believe is the most popular one, but it's got like eight levels of this wizard who protects a password. And you have to use natural language to trick the wizard to give you the password. And it's a really uh, creative experience um, I did it with my kids who thought it was a blast because, uh, you know, it's <laughs> they're being a hacker and, you know, there might be a new definition for a hacker, you know, coming up, right? It might not be someone who puts single quotes and, and code syntax into boxes anymore. It might be someone who's creative enough to um, say the right <laughs> words and trick a uh, a bot into revealing private information. So, um, yeah, I've got a whole bunch of those. I can pass them to you for sure. Yeah, it's very, very exciting times. And, you know, some of the things you meant defensive wise were interesting because, you know, you hear so many people talking about the hacker perspective, but you don't hear a lot of people talking about the, the defensive side. And I think that's pretty exciting to see what what AI does for, you know, defensive products. Yeah, I mean, I have a, uh, I see a lot of people doing talks about, you know, AI and how it'll impact security and development. Um, and they worry a lot about, the code aspect of, um, you know, it's training data being like Stack Overflow, which is, you know, predominantly like not great code. Um, and so there's been some research done. Uh, I can't remember which university did it where they actually like benchmarked, like is the code that comes out of um, either Copilot or GPT-4 inherently less secure than just you know, your average developer code and based off whatever metrics they did, I think the outcome was the same. Like, no, it's about the same. And so I don't think that we're going to get like this world where we go, where we step backwards, which a lot of people say that's going to happen um, because, you know, people are using code from 
AI, I think that, um, or LLMs, I think that it's going to be roughly okay or the same. But, and then, so other people say that, you know, like, well, the red teams and the bad guys will get this giant boon to, you know, um, to be able to attack organizations and people better because they now have access to GPTs and LLMs that can help them. And, you know, I actually think that the boon is to defensive people. I think that, I think that the speed at which you can learn defense and affect change um, with some of the products, with signatures, with heuristics, you can build all that stuff with GPT really, really quickly. And you can debug it really, really quickly too. And I think that um, defenders are going to get leveled up. And then eventually when we do get to the level of where kind of all the, a little bit of snake oily demos are going on right now, right? Of like where you have an AI assistant who's like, you know, like calls you and is like, there's an intrusion. And it's like, you know, it's like we've correlated these 17 data points and like, you know, there's an attacker, you know, it's like that will actually happen because one of the superpowers of, you know, LLMs is data correlation. And um, especially if you agentize your, uh, your LLMs, um, you know, you make them individual little bots and then they can correlate with each other and they have like a master bot that controls them. You know, this is the kind of stuff you can do, you know, with, um, with different technologies now. And so we will get there and that'll be really interesting. And so I just don't think that the attackers actually have the leg up um, for very long, maybe, maybe a year at most. And then I think defenders will, um, will run with this thing and be better than ever. It, it's just my, my personal opinion. So. Yeah, then you, you got to figure, too, these CISOs and executives will be looking into these different products, and they're going to want to know if AI is being used in it. And I think that's going to yeah. be one of the prerequisites people are looking for when they're looking for, for new products. Yeah, yeah I mean, everybody's going to want AI-assisted X, Y, and Z. Um, you know, the second question that gets up that gets brought up a lot is, is it going to take our jobs, right? That's a very valid question for any human to ask, right? Like. And, you know, the answer is no. I think it stays a tool. I think it becomes a ubiquitous tool, right? Like, you know, uh, in, in defense, like if you don't know some some form of packet capture, right? Like, you know, like almost everybody who's done defense is either going to, you know, have experience with Wireshark or TCP dump or something like that, right? At least at one point. Um It'll be a ubiquitous tool like that, right? Like, like for offensive people, we have Nmap. You know, everybody's run Nmap at some point or Metasploit or something, and it's it's going to be even more ubiquitous than some of those tools. Um, but I don't think it'll replace. I think that you know it gets you about eighty to ninety percent of the way, like I say in a lot of these scenarios. But then you still have to have the knowledge of being a specialist in that field to finish the process, um, and also um, you have to prompt it correctly, which you will have to be you know, a, um, at least a decent, uh, prompt engineer to, to get it to where you want it to go. So, so when you were at your previous role at Buttobot, you got to kind of return more to some, some areas that you did earlier in your career. So how was it to get back into red teaming and, and compared to when you kind of started? So how was that? It was amazing. It was, um, it was fantastic. So it was like a breath of fresh air. <laughs> um, you know, I, I had been mostly doing security leadership at, at Ubisoft. And, you know, one of the things is, you know, that I told people when I left, I love that team. I love the people there um, and that team that we built and the things that we accomplished. But, you know, you have to roll out of bed every day and love, love your job because otherwise, what are you doing? Right. Um, 
at least that's my personal opinion. A lot of people will say you don't need to do that and your job is just a job. That That's absolutely valid as well. But I feel like I live a better life if, if I really think my job is interesting. And it's not that I didn't think that job was interesting. It just, it didn't feel my, it didn't fill my cup like offensive security did. So went back to Butterbot. I went to Butterbot, helped them build up their capabilities from what, you know, they currently had. And, you know, kind of moved into the red teaming world. And that was a blast. I mean, the campaigns we ran, the stuff we saw, um, just super, super fun. It was really cool also to bring my really hardcore recon into kind of the red teaming world. I think that, you know, I think that predominantly a lot of red teamers, you know, had a very strict idea about what red teaming methodology looked like. And so for a year, I went out kind of on the conference circuit and the training circuit and talked to red teamers about modern reconnaissance that really came from bug bounty, right? Um, and like teaching them about like, you know, like how to find these esoteric assets that could be initial access. And so that was super fun. Um, I also worked a lot in the like credential exposure world. So, um, you know, basically my roots from the dark web, like going back and doing threat intelligence for specifically for credential um, exposures with um, some people and using that as initial access and a lot of the red teaming engagements. And um, so teaching people about that was really fun too, like about how actual bad guy economies work. Um, and then, you know, obviously I learned a tremendous amount, right? So when I left red teaming um, that, you know, I, that was at the beginning of HP when I kind of stopped doing modern red teaming. Um, or, you know, back then it was modern red teaming. I mean, you, you can call, you know, Metasploit and some um, past the hash. That was the that was the tip top technology back then. <laughs> and now it's much different. It's it's much, much different. It's malware dev. It is bypassing really advanced EDR. It is, you know, companies who have, you know, fleet deployments of, you know, um, really good 2FA. Um, it's not as easy as it used to be. And it was really fun to learn all those sides again and get up to date with all the newest C2s and initial access methods and, um, you know, get back to pivoting. And uh, so it was, it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so it was, it was pretty cool. Yeah, I kind of enjoyed it and benefited from what you're doing because you're going back, posting on social media some of the resources and things that were very helpful. Yeah. And that's one of the things I was pointing people in the direction they were looking for more red team content. So follow Jason, Jason's, you know, gotten back into red teaming over the past year or so he's posted some good resources. So, so I was really enjoying seeing the stuff that you were finding and sharing out there. Yeah. I don't think, I don't think I'm done with it. I'm, I'm still learning. Uh, and I'm still, you know, so as part of our canum, you know, we'll probably do, you know, a lot of training. So like, you know, 60 to 70% of our business will probably be training, but um, we're still going to do a lot of consulting. And I can, I can see a world where, you know, I build up a, you know, capabilities in a team again, and I do it as part of our canum. And um, I don't want to let it go yet. I, it was really fun. I met a lot of really smart people. Um, you know, red teaming has a specific call to it too. That is, uh, it is different than other types of offensive security testing. Um, because you do really get to act like a bad guy and you get to do all the fishing and, and although like it's, it's difficult, but it's, you know, it's, it's super fun. So, um, you know, I'm not going to say I'm out of it, you know, or anything like that. I think that I, 
um, you know, still going to do it. And then, you know, pen tests, you know, like if you do a modern pen test methodology too, you can add some of that stuff in to be more red teamy, but you know, you're not, you're not a team really. You're just doing like kind of like a pen test plus plus or whatever you want to call it. Like I'll still do a lot of that in, you know, uh, engagements with, with Arcanum. So hopefully that, you know, don't lose anything. And, and I've been bug bounty hunting again, you know, so that's been fun. So, yeah. That's cool. So has any of the things you've learned help you out on the bug bounty side? Um, you know, honestly, the, the places where I had to level up were the malware dev, um, and the tools development. And, uh, I think actually more, I think my bug bounty experience, which I never let go of helped me more with the red teaming than the red teaming helped me with the bug bounty stuff. I think that, I think that it's just like a skill set to be able to test web apps and APIs and, um, you know, an external, any type of external system. And, um, you know, a lot of red teamers, are, that's not their initial bag. They're very, they come from a network pen test background and then they graduate into red teaming. And so they don't do a lot of that always. Some are really great at it. And then, you know, but a lot aren't. And so my web background really, you know, helped me on all my engagements and my recon background really helped me in all my engagements. Um, so I, I would say that the bug bounty hunting actually helped me on red teaming more. <laughs> oh, very cool. Yeah. That's one of the interesting things when you mentioned the recon and stuff, it just really seems like over the years, the compliance based pen testing has really limited the amount of recon that people are doing. You've got a thousand IP addresses and, you know, people skip out a lot of opportunities for doing more reconnaissance. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we used to back in the day, right? We used to just have internals and externals, and then, and then we delineated, uh, you know, because internals and externals in the beginning were mostly like externals were unauthenticated tests of websites, and then service level auditing of like you know services on other ports, and then you had the internal, which is you know kind of remained the same, like internal pen tests. You know, you jump in on a network and try to get domain admin. And then, you know, it evolved to the web being mostly, um, you know, per the predominant technology that people need to test. So then you had the web application pen test, and that's an authenticated version um, and usually scoped on one site. Um, but, you know, then you had Bug Bounty come along, and it was like, oh, and, you know, and all these breaches, too. It's like if you look at the initial access vector for a lot of breaches, it's not usually the main website. It's like some broken piece of infrastructure technology that the company is using that is unpatched or, um, you know, some API that is not like the main API. And so, yeah, it, it's, it really did help because, you know, that's the kind of stuff I looked at. I looked for at bug crowd, right? That was my specialty was, was recon. It's like, I'm the guy who can find all the lost stuff. And, <laughs> and so that was, um, that was really a boon to, to all that testing. And uh, I think, I think, you know, the industry fluctuates a lot too. I mean, um, we had a lot of fishing in the red team kind of game um, the last, you know, three years, I would say. And then, you know, now we have sharper, better fishing protections than ever. And so you can, you can kind of see the ebb and flow of, of kind of where people have to put their skill sets in order to be good at, you know, any offensive security really. And, um, it's it's interesting to watch, honestly. Like uh, if you look at three or you know three years ago, file based phishing payloads were all the rage and were kind of like 
you know, what people use to get initial access, bad guys and red teamers. And then now it's, you know, it's man in the middle based fishing. Uh, and even that's getting harder and harder every, you know, every month uh, or every six months because of different protections. And so it might go back to where, you know, you need to start popping services again or something. You never know. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's one of the things too, that I found valuable from doing network pen testing is just be able to do some web app because, you know, yeah. you get in some of these environments, it's hard to get a foothold, but you, but, you know, notoriously a lot of these IT applications or security apps are running in a Java application server, yeah, like Apache Tomcat or Red Hat JBoss. And sometimes yeah. those are the only ways in and some people overlook learning anything about web app. Yeah. I mean, if you came on the podcast for, you know, any tips and tricks to kind of gather if, you, if you're doing internals, um, so a, a really good friend of mine, Gunnar, and I made a tool called Cloud Recon, which uh, we called it Cloud Recon because the original idea was that we were using it for cloud enumeration. But what the tool does is it's a super fast scanner for SSL. You forward, you give it a range, and it blasts that range every IP for um, for any 443 port. And it does a half SSL handshake and will pull back the information in the certificate. And so, um, you know, we were really been talking about this to basically blast all of the cloud ranges and get all their certificate information and then figure out what a company who, you know, um, like Tesla had online in the cloud. But what's really cool that you can do with this is on internals is you can scan the internal network range with a tool like Cloud Recon. It bypasses most SOC tools because it only completes a half SSL connection. Um, and it tells you all of the hosts um, that any internal web server is hosting. I can't tell you how many internal web servers I've seen that DevOps stands up that are lit literally, they're just front ends for like a Linux command shell, right? Like it's like, it's like enter your command in this web GUI and the server will run it and no authentication. And, you know, to use it as a kickoff point for, um, you know, for, you know, kind of escalation, because then you pop that box and you see what kind of creds it's running locally. And then you crack those or you pass those and then, you know, you can, you can pivot around. And um, that's one that we worked with really well in the last year on the internal part. Um, the other one was, I saw this amazing talk at Blue Hat is, uh, is basically there's three or four open source, <laughs> open source AI model um, building scaffolds, I'll call them. So basically they're web apps that help you ingest and, and um, get your data ready to train your AI on. And there's only like four of them that are open source that are not super expensive. So most companies who are beginning to develop their own AI internally are using one of these apps. They're full of security vulnerabilities. And so there's this amazing talk at Blue Hat, um, I'll have to go find it, but about fingerprinting these servers and basically exploiting them because they're they're Swiss cheese right now. And you immediately win because you have all the data that's loaded into there, which is you know, like proprietary data of the company. Um, and, you know, those are those are really hot right now as internal kind of targets, right? Who needs DA when you have the entire data lake of a company, you know, like already downloaded into an app that you broke into because it had like a local file include that, you know, feels like 1995 or something like that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so for someone wanting to get into offensive security, so what, what's kind of your recommendation where to get start, where to start? Um, 
So you got to have some kind of base rate. So uh, I think that most of my students, I push them through kind of the entry level, uh, the entry level code, uh, code academy courses, which I think are really good bite size. You can pick them up, you can put them down. And, you know, if you want to do web hacking, you know, then take the HTML, JavaScript, you know, DevOps, the whole DevOps track, you know, build your own app and just get comfortable with like, okay, I at least know, you know, some general coding, right? And then take the Python course. I feel like Python is a very, uh, is a very good starter language um, for most hackers. Um, and then take the command line um, course there too. So it's like six or seven courses that you end up taking. And that's the prereq that I have a lot of my mentees take. And then we can move on to the security stuff because at least you have a little bit of a fundamental on kind of how the web works, how, you know, your servers are spun up, you know, how they, they look from the inside. You've got a little bit of familiarity with Linux or Unix. And, um, and so that's a good starting place. And then, so if you want to go to web, you know, and you want to be an offensive security, the best free resources, um, is WebSec Academy right now, right? It's a, you know, it's a port swigger makes WebSec Academy. Portswigger also makes Burp, which is, you know, a ubiquitous tool for web testing nowadays. And um, they have a whole bunch of free challenges and free lab guides and, and you know, things for all the different types of vulnerabilities you might find. Um, and so that's kind of the best resource that exists right now for web hacking. I think for um, internals and NetPen, I was just having this, dis this discussion with a, a mentee of mine. There's actually not a ton out there to train people how to do modern NetPen and internals. Um, there's a lot of red team trainings, um, but they they kind of like differ from you know what like a general pen test would look like. I think you know TCM Security has one of the only courses on modern internals, um, but there's 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 not a ton more. I mean, maybe if you go the SANS route, there's a lot there, but those are really expensive, hard to get access to when you're a new person. So um, yeah, I think that uh, if that's, if that's the way you want to go, you got to kind of scrounge together and Google your face off, right? Like kind of like we did back in the day before all these resources existed, right? We're just like Googling every blog we could find on, on how this stuff works. Um, and then if you're reverse engineer and exploit, that's not really my, um, specialty. So I don't have like a, like a lovely set of links there, but you know, that is a path you could take is, you know, being a reverse engineer and exploitation person and. I'm sure there's a you know wonderful track out there somewhere, but um, but yeah, that's what I got right now. Very cool. Yeah. So we're getting down towards the end of the show. Is there anything you'd like to share before we end the episode? No, I'm looking forward to seeing you at um, HackspaceCon. I think that'll be really yeah, fun. Um, if you're around at HackspaceCon, come say hi. Uh, I'll be doing the red, blue, purple AI talk, which hopefully should be fun. Um, you know, obviously Arcanum security uh, is you know doing training. So the Bug Hunters Methodology Live will be, the next one will be in March. We only, we do it four times a year. So um, you also get access to a Discord we just launched with a bunch of private channels. And um, we hunt every month together on bug bounty programs and we share techniques and tools and everything like that. So it's it's a lot of fun. Um, and then, yeah, if you are looking for pen test work with, you know, some really qualified engineers, me and, and a couple of buddies of mine, uh, let me know, you know, reach out to me on Twitter at jhaddix and um, yeah, thanks so much for having me on, Phil. I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for joining. It was a pleasure to have you on and, and good to catch up. And I look forward to seeing you at HackSpaceCon. And for everyone watching or listening, we'll be sharing in the show notes 
Jason's social media links. And so you'll be able to find him as well as his new company. So thanks everyone for joining and we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Philip Wiley show. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, to learn more about Philip, go to thehackermaker.com and connect with him on LinkedIn and Twitter at Philip Wiley. Until next time.